What do you want? I have to pee. Squat and do it down there. Hello, this is the Doom Show. I am Richard. I'm joined by Jeffrey, who I haven't spoken to in six months. Ah, help me, Richard. Help me, Richard. Help, help me, Richard. <laughs> this guy's screaming for help over here. Folks, it's true. Jeffrey and I have, of course, you know, we've, we've messaged. But yeah, this has been quite a saga getting from... Uh, Frickin', uh, what did we do? What did I just post? Like mm, Twice dead. Twice dead to screaming for twice help. Hello. But man, it's good to hear your voice. Hi. Same. Yay. Welcome back to me. <laughs> Welcome to the front of the back of me. Folks, um, we're talking about Scream for Help, <laughs> 1984, uh, directed by the winner himself. <laughs> Michael Winner. Obi Winner Kenobi, as they call him. Yeah. Folks, if you haven't seen this yet, just just go watch it. Don't don't even I mean, it's one of those movies that we're gonna talk about and you're gonna think that we're talking about a solid three films in one, but no, this is just <laughs> one one little movie that uh Michael Winner, director of uh Death Wish. And Death Wish two and three three four i don't think he did four he didn't do four but he did a movie a lot like death wish with charles bronson i think Mm. because i thought we did some others uh, like he did did he do the mechanic oh ooh, that one's a fun one yo he did shadows land yeah he he was great stuff the sentinel was the one that i'm like what because that's a disturbing movie oh he did the sentinel yeah dude oh that's a wild film the right set, there. The, the horror movie, The Sentinel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With all really? the, uh, he got all the, uh, the folks. Yeah, with the, all the uh, folks. All the, all the people with, uh, born with, with certain types of, especially abled folks ah, that, uh, yes. that he gathered together for his film. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks were upset with him for exploiting them, but hey, when you want to work, you got to work. Watch The Sentinel. It's messed up. Uh, but yeah, this this is Scream for Help, and I'm going to drop... The trailer's long, but it is worth it, because it's, it's pretty sweet. So here's the trailer for Scream for Help. Christy was an ordinary teenager. 
but she hated her stepfather. Oh, shit. Paul. Well. Mom? I caught him cheating on you. This bull asked me to pick her up at her house because she couldn't get to the agency. That's bullshit. It became an obsession with her. Hi, Christy. In Michael Winner's ah! new thriller, Scream for Help. I'm upset because my stepfather just tried to murder my mother. Paul did it. I know he did. Christy, stop. But he fixed it to kill Mom. Christy, don't talk like that. You've been crazy to get Paul Fox ever since he married your mother. Nobody believed her. Imagination or fact, she had to find out. Janie, please help me. What were they doing? Fucking. What? Yeah, you have to see it till I tell my mom you can back me up. determined to expose him. But instead, she came face to face with a new terror. Alone and afraid, at the mercy of ruthless killers, it was too late to scream for help. Then she escaped the terror that invaded her home. See, scream for help, the new nightmare from Michael Winner, director of Death I'm love and Michael Winner. Does the moment. does the trailer include the opening line of the film? I bet it does. It's it's like the whole movie condensed. It's, it's it's a long trailer. It's a long trailer. My name is Christina Ruth Cromwell. I'm 17 and I live in New Rochelle. I think my stepfather is trying to murder my mother. I have a little VHS not in reality but on virtually. I I do have the actual VHS. Oh my somewhere. god. Yeah. You're like, do you do you know where it is? <laughs> um, I think it's downstairs. All right, no, no sweat. I got it. We got the Kino, Lorimar. Yes, the excuse me, Kino, Carl Lorimar <laughs> pictures on the uh, VHS. Here it says, "Terror invades an upper class New York community as 17 year old Christy Cromwell cleverly uncovers her father's horrifying plot to murder her wealthy mother. She's on to him, yet no one will believe her." She's just a kid, smart, imaginative. Maybe she's just a, maybe she's just taken a crazy idea to the limit. Suspense builds when a series of shocking events confirms her worst fears. Alone, afraid, and helpless, except for her mother. Terrified Christy, oh, and her mother, sorry, are held prisoner in their own home at the mercy of ruthless killers. 
I was I was harshly judging this VHS. That's more or less accurate. Um, it says a stunningly erotic suspense thriller. I mean, mm. I am stunned. Yes. I don't know if I'm eroticized, though. <laughs> I'm stunned they said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So it's not her father. It's her stepfather. That is an important yes. distinction. And also, she's yes. not alone because she has friends throughout the yep. film who help Janie her Janie and Josh. And, they, you know, maybe they don't all make it out, but they're there. <laughs> So, so the movie opens with the beautiful Lorimar logo. I love the way that Lorimar just spells itself out for us there. And then immediately we get the first shot of our heroine. And I think this movie should have been called Christy! Because, man... <laughs> This is this is Christie's show, y'all. I mean, um, she, we have a theme here, Christie's theme. And oh boy, let's it, talk about oh it. Oh boy, it plays. Con- well, there's a lot of other cool music in this movie too. Oh yeah, a lot of good like stock library music. But the Christie theme plays in a few different versions, and some of them have lyrics. Oh, you bet. The lyrics are like, "Christie, never change. Keep on being yourself, girl. We oh, love you." <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, this is our friend and yours, uh, John Paul Jones, uh, who did the score. And that's one of the first things that I noticed about this movie was the bonkers freaking music. <laughs> um, this is this dude's from Led Zeppelin. Um, I am not. I'm weirdly one of those people who I really appreciate Led Zeppelin's influence. Like if I hear somebody ripping off John Bonham, I'm like, man, I love John Bonham. But I never connected with Led Zeppelin. Do you? Oh, I like I don't them, know shit about are... Led Zeppelin. No, okay, yeah. nothing at all. I don't care. <laughs> like, like when I found out they did a bunch of Lord of the Rings inspired songs, I was like, they 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 did that, and everyone's like, yeah. What are you talking? About? I guess I always got like the sense that they're a bunch of nerds, so I was like, eh, yes, I don't really care yes. about that. <laughs> uh, but man, this music for this film goes through some shit. Uh, so so <laughs> so he does. Does he do all the music? The Led Zeppelin guy. Uh, he was the bass player. Um, I don't really know what his role in the band was. No, I mean, in this movie, does he do all the music or does he just do the it's, theme? Uh, it says music by John Paul wow. Jones. Because the music uh, is all over the place. Like it's Yeah, that's mo- the thing. It's very funky. It's like, it sounds like yeah. 70s library music funk. It's weird. It It's like really not timeless. It feels like a, <laughs> it feels like a late 70s or yeah. maybe... Maybe you could squeak by like eighty one with this score, right. but it and it it's it's distinct. We'll talk about my favorite <laughs> three music cues uh, when we get to it. But this one, when, when the music for this kicked in, uh, Lietta goes, "It's the love boat." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the orchestral version, the sweepy yes. orchestral version. Um, we also have the great opening line and a freeze oh, frame. Yeah. Here we go on Christie. I didn't write it down verbatim. I kind of just captured the essence of it here, but I yeah. think you'll appreciate it. It goes like, Hi, I'm Christina Ruth Cromwell. I live in New Rochelle. I like seashells and ice cream. I think my stepfather is trying to murder my mother. <laughs> and that's verbatim. You you accidentally quoted it exactly. Oh, there you go. You got to learn to hang with this lady. Uh, so this is an actress named Rachel Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, she did not do much, sadly, because she's something else. She's a powerhouse in this movie. Oh, yeah. 
unstoppable. Um, by, yeah, she's definitely uh, grinding uh, my genitals into the ground with her big boots. She's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is. Uh, she was on three episodes of As the World Turns, the old uh, soap opera, and then she was in. <laughs> Which means a TV... like half a week of As yep. the World Turns. Jeez, is that even half a week? <laughs> That's an afternoon. Oh. Uh, so then she did a movie called A Private Battle about a journalist. An author named Cornelius Ryan's struggle with prostate cancer, starring Jack Warden. Yeah. And then she did this movie, and then she said, I don't think this is my choice of work. I'm Audi. Do you think she said it, or did uh, Hollywood collectively say it? <laughs> she, apparently, she, she got married, had a kid in 95, and never looked back. All right. Well, never looked back. It's a shame, because she's great. She's something. So yes, we're, we're establishing very quickly that um, that this narration is one of the many things that shouldn't be in this movie, but we're glad it's here <laughs> because structurally this movie is very challenged. But you know we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> uh, we cut to a nice New England fall eve, and that that music from John Paul Jones, man, just just pumping, pumping. And we see her in her room writing in her diary. And I don't know why this shot of her writing looks so different from her bedroom the rest of the time. Does she have like pink lights on or is like it's just she just bathed in this ethereal like pink glow. I don't understand. I'm going to go with she just emits a pink glow. <laughs> That's how she's powerful a, she is. She's a strong female presence. Mm-hmm. Bless her heart. She wakes up. Oh, she's telling us what she what happened. Uh, we are showing. She is showing us a flashback to when she heard a strange sound in the house in the middle of the night. So she goes a snooping, and just when she's about to have a scare, we get a scare by the ugliest freaking clock <laughs> I have ever seen. The clock looks like I don't know a nightmare. Not 70s, not 60s, not 50s. It's <laughs> timeless. Really, it's timeless. It's a timeless timepiece. It's really lopsided. So the actual, like, um, the ticking part, the uh, the pendulum, whatever, it's, like, totally lopsided. And it's just, oh, it's so hideous. It looks like it has faces in it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want any more of it. But more scary than that clock is Stepdaddy. Her stepdad delights a cigarette in the dark and scares her. And folks, we got an alumni, a doomed show alumni. I did not realize this was him. This is David Allen Brooks from one of Jeffrey's and my very first episodes together, The Kindred. He is the freaking, he is the kin in The Kindred. It's incredible. Well, he's, I mean, what a career. We can just end it there. I mean, the only way this could be better is if he was actually uh, Peter Frechette, uh, the the dude from uh, Grease Two, who is doing the uh, the diss tapes. So mm-hmm. I I also need to pick up that Kindred Blu-ray, dude. Oh my god! Oh, you really do. I really can't do. believe. The funniest thing is like the plot uh, that I read. The plot synopsis I read for the Blu-ray is like the opposite of what we found interesting (laughs) they talk up the uh the mad scientist angle but we're like you and i were like really into the 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 dynamics of the couples and the friendships and stuff well i like when the mad scientist has a lot of goop poured on his head yes yeah 
<laughs> it leads with him in the in the plot description. I thought that was really cute. But no, David Allen Brooks, um, he's here playing Paul Fox. Foxy and Fox. And he's a foxy son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not... <laughs> This is not your the the kind of stepdad you want. This is not my stepdad. This is this is bad stepdad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, bad stepdad starring uh, Robert De Niro. Yep, yep. Dur- dirty um, stepdad. Oh, he is a dirty stepdad too. It's true. He gets down and dirty. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, she airs her suspicions. Her uh, sus- oh my god, her suspicions about him, and he just lies. <laughs> That's one thing I love about this character. He is one of those, I guess he's supposed to be a sociopath that will lie until the evidence is literally in your hand against him, like right. literally. And then he'll be like, well, you misunderstand <laughs> yeah, it. He okay? still tries. He still tries. My, my favorite thing about this entire movie is that from almost you know, like scene one, Christy and what's what's his name in the movie? Paul. Oh, Paul. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Christy and Paul. They are to- they both know that they're on to each other, right? Like she is constantly accusing him directly of yep. everything she suspects. Yep. And he I mean, he's very well aware that he's doing these things. Um and uh he just kind of like, you know, shrugs it off and smiles and then like goes up to the bedroom. But it's like uh she never pauses to reflect about the fact that maybe she should hold some of these cards to her chest. No, 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 never. <laughs> even even her private diary, she writes bad things about him while he's in the room. <laughs> I mean, her diary is pointless. I mean, she, when she's saying everything that she writes in it, why do you need yes, it? It's backwards. <laughs> this shit's so backwards. I love it. Um, so she knows that he was down in the basement, and she reflects on that moment. Ah, if only I'd said something, then maybe this wouldn't have come to pass and so she comes home from school the next day, and the cops are there. Tons of cops, ambulance. It's crazy town in her house. Crazy town, the band, <laughs> which I'm really into referencing right now for some reason. She finds out that ele- an electrician stopped by the house and immediately got electrocuted to death. <laughs> Somebody was smelling some fried bacon. Yeah, so, so even though her mom was the intended victim, supposedly, <laughs> uh, that, uh, you know, She's fine. She's fine. We see mom. We'll get to mom later. <laughs> Christy runs downstairs to see that the beautiful uh, fuse box down in the basement has been tampered with. And there's a leaky pipe is leaking all over it. Leaky, leaky, leaky. Uh, two of my favorite parts in this are when uh, Paul starts like running around the house, talking to the cops, being like, I thought this house had good wiring. What happened? (laughs) Oh, no. And then uh, when Christy's going down to the basement, uh, there's like this trio, like almost like a Greek chorus of power company men who like file up the stairs talking to one another, just being like, oh, that could have happened to anybody. (laughs) Yeah, we lost one of their own. So, you know, be sensitive. Pour one out for a fallen brother. So so Christy immediately uh, hightails it to her pal Janie. Uh, her pal Janie is another actress who never worked again. And I really like this actress. This is Sandra Clark. She is um, as raw a talent as you can find. <laughs> she raw, delivers lines so perfect. Affectless. I, nothing man, there. Almost like a computer. Bless her heart. <laughs> but uh, Janie is, uh, she's in the bone zone. <laughs> Um, with her boyfriend Jeffrey. Oops, 
Josh. Joshry. Joshry. Jesus Christ, Cromwell, we're doing the sex in here. <laughs> this is Corey Parker, who plays Josh. Um, pretty cool actor here. He was in Biloxi Blues. He was in a movie that I cannot wait to watch again called How I Got Into College. Ooh. 1989, directed by Savage Steve Holland. Uh, no relation to the writer of this film, Tom Holland. I did look. Um, didn't you he did, he, didn't you mention uh, Love Boat before? Because he was in Love Boat: The Next Wave. Oh, wow! That's <laughs> like that's why we haven't seen him in much after that. I mean, he was a main cast member. It looks like he was the Ouch. doctor on on the Love Boat. Oh, Jeffrey, he was in a show that used to drive me up the wall. Do you remember Thirty Something? Um, f- the the name is familiar to me. It was yes. a it was a drama. It was like if um. What is the show with James Vanderbeek? Dawson's Creek. It was like Dawson's Creek for elders. For us, for us, uh, for I'm, I wish I was in my 30s. If Dawson's Creek for people in their 30s. Wow. It's that kind of tone, wow. but less fun, like wildly less fun. I hated this show as a kid. It was so boring for, <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, yeah. um, so yes, they're in the bone zone. And they get dressed and come downstairs and rapid fire. Chris is laying this shit out on the table. Just like boom, boom, boom. Fuck Paul. He sucks. Paul's, Paul's a dick. He's a murderer. Yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, Josh is just eating ice cream. Ice cream? God damn it. No. Well, I, guess, I think <laughs> I just want some ice cream. cream. He's eating <clears throat> peanut butter with, I think he's just using Ritz crackers as a spoon. Oh, it's Ritz crackers? Butter. I thought That's it, what I'm, I thought. It was... It looked like it was brown to me, so I thought he was just dunking chocolate oh. into it. So that in that case, he's me in my twenties. Okay, <laughs> there you go. And most of my thirties. Let's be honest. No, uh, it's it's great. It's watching. So, him, so you mean to say he's wise beyond his years? Yes, exactly. Yeah. He's headed for um, high blood pressure, like <laughs> and just being morbidly obese. Janie immediately is not on Christie's side about Paul. She is like you've. You've hated Paul since day one because Paul uh, seduced her mother away from her real dad, which by the end of this movie, I am begging for dad to come back. Yeah. <laughs> like, you guys ready to patch this up now, please? Mm-hmm. Does she intimate that Christy has been in therapy since the divorce did i hear that right or am i just remembering that wrong i don't know i mean we never see her in therapy i'm just trying to figure out why everyone's so like you're a liar you know like yes some of the stuff she says sounds far-fetched but come on dude (laughs) not that far-fetched yeah they never really give us like a good reason for us disbelieving her other than she's just so blunt and to the point yeah she is she's not one to mince words and that's one of the things i love about this character and I mean, you just take one look at her vest in this scene, that power vest she has on. Yes. I don't know what, how you can't believe her. Paul tries to shoot her later and just bounces right off. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. <clears throat> so uh, it's time to investigate this son of a bitch. And uh, what <laughs> her plan is, is to skip school and follow Paul to wherever he goes during the day. Because he owns a car dealership. But she thinks he's not really going there, that he's not really going there. So she decides to follow him, and we get the most jaw-dropping music cues ever. <laughs> One her after plan, another. 
she can't keep up with him on her bike. So what she does is for three days, Mm -hmm. consecutive days, she follows him until she loses him. (laughs) Then the next day she goes to that spot, follows him until she loses him again. And then the day after that, she repeats this process until she finds out where he was. Luckily, he wasn't like in another state or this would have been like two or three weeks out of school. I mean, I love this. I love everything about it. Um, it is not make for the most compelling viewing, uh, these sort of no. endless bicycle stakeouts and pursuits, but the music but helps. <laughs> also, this sequence is way too early in the movie. This, to me, should have been, holy shit, Paul's supposed to be at work. Where the hell is he? But instead, we're like 20 minutes in, <laughs> and we're going to see her follow him. I mean, there is... There's not a moment in this movie where you don't believe her. That's the thing that well, I'm trying yeah. to like. But the, the thing is, we've got like you're, you know, like you said, we got two other movies to get to, so we got to kind of hurry up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's come on, come on, come on. But I love these music cues. This is how I discovered that life is unfair. So <laughs> I had a download of this movie back when it was only on VHS, and what I did was is this sequence with these three bonkers music cues. I just took this clip of her following him and put it on YouTube. And I had it up until I got a copyright strike. (laughs) But it was in the thousands of views. (laughs) I do a little video of me talking about Giallo Blu-rays. Lucky if I get 60 views. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. It's fine. I love all of (laughs) you. But man, the only thing that is still beating any of my other stuff is that clip of women in leotards dancing from uh, the vampire and the ballerina. Currently at 8,000 views. Wow, monetize that thing I don't know, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't numbers. do that. Didn't do that. But uh, yeah, so this is clearly John Paul Jones's finest hour as a musician. <laughs> I mean, come on, because every time, every day has a different piece of music. Yeah. So day one, day two, and day three. Oh my God, it's oh, it's <laughs> it's a it's a smorgasbord of freaking insane shit. So she finds him at a house, and uh, she peeks through the window just in time to see him killing laura palmer no no um no he he is meeting with brenda bull this is lolita lysham excuse me uh louis fuck lolita lesheim um she's credited here as lolita lori um and she is his mistress we think at first because, you know, she's sitting on his lap or on, on the arm of the chair lighting a cigarette for him. And it's definitely, they definitely look like a couple. Christy, while spying, gets spooked and bumps into Brenda's brother. Her brother. Brother. Yeah, definitely brother. Yeah. This is Rocco Sisto, which is a name I should have been born with. <laughs> He oh my god he was a small part in After Hours, he was in Donnie Brasco, hey, Far and Away, Innocent Blood. Yes, he's a very very character actor charactery character man. Yeah, he's got one of those faces, not one you'd recognize, but just like one of those faces where it's like, yeah, you're doomed to this. <laughs> this was his theatrical debut. He only did one little TV movie before this. Brilliant. He left an impression. He was in Jacobo Timmerman, colon, prisoner without a name, comma, cell without a number. But he wasn't credited. (laughs) 
Got to start somewhere. Everybody. So he's bringing home some groceries. She bumps into him. He's like, hey, kid, what are you doing? <laughs> well, she more than just bumps into him because she is like standing on a fish tank or something in order to look in through the window at the sex act that is occurring. <laughs> and uh, or no, the sex, I guess the sex act isn't occurring. Well, we get the, we get that one later. later yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, but she like Kool-Aid mans through this fish tank <laughs> as she runs away, just shatters yeah. it. <laughs> Again, so powerful, this girl. Is that what he's carrying? No, no, she's standing on one. Oh, I'm sorry. Nice. But she, I like, forgot. yeah, when she's startled, she her foot just, like, goes through it, and it just completely shatters, like, all Brilliant. four sides. It's amazing. Brilliant. So so she rushes off, and, of course, Paul and Brenda see him, uh, see her through the window, like, whoop, the jig is up. But, man, <laughs> the jig up. is never up. It's never really up in this movie. Uh Back at the house, lickety split, we instantly go to Christy confronting Paul. <laughs> and he's like, nope, that's all lies. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, my favorite part is how she leads with it. I think she starts off with like, I know you're a murderer and you cheated on my mom. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, at least you got him an order of importance. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we've okay. So mom comes home and is like, "What? What's going on? What, what's happening? Why you guys? What?" She's totally clueless as she'll be through most of this. And this is uh, Marie Masters who plays Karen Cromwell. Do 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 do. What else was she in? She was in some stuff. She's another soap opera actress. She was invited back to As the World Turns for 1,608 episodes. Holy, Holy shit. moly. From 1968 to 2010. What the heck? Wow. Wow. That is intense. She was in something called Slayground from 1983, which unfortunately is not a horror movie. It's a crime drama. That's disappointing. But, you know, Peter Coyote. Ooh, I'll watch that. Whatever. 1,600 episodes. I know, right? <laughs> My God, that's like that's uh, like the people who were on freaking uh, Dark Shadows for its whole run. Like that just always just blows my mind, you know. Like, and Dark Shadows wasn't even on for sixteen hundred episodes, but like, I mean, she has seven? she's like pretty close to being the top episode count. I mean, there's there's a bunch of wow. people ahead of her, but she's on that first page of Top Cast. God damn! Holy moly! Good for her. She's fun. She's a lot of fun in this movie. She's very mommy. But yeah, she totally is like, nah, we're cool. There, there's no way. Um, <laughs> that night, uh, mom comes to talk to her. And of course, uh, Christy's blaring her radio. And she is wearing an incredibly important t-shirt. Did you catch it? No. What is the shirt? Oh, it's just a t-shirt that says muffs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> M-U-F-F-S. Muffs. So is that is that the school color guard squad or is that the uh, a band she likes what is that i i mean i know what it means colloquially uh and i just have to imagine oh, that that's what she meant i get it Muffs. i get it they're one of those they're one of those riot girl bands yeah, yeah, i get yeah, you yeah, yeah. that makes sense that makes sense uh but lietta pointed out to me and i could not unsee it once i saw it she's got her shoes on in bed <laughs> she's turned around backwards so that her feet in their filthy shoes are on the pillow side. So when she goes to bed that night, she's going to just be laying in whatever her shoes walked in during the day. (laughs) Folks, don't, don't even jump in your bed with your socks on. (laughs) Unless you, unless you're a freak. No. Paul tries to say to mom and 
Christy that he was in the basement for a reason, but he had to lie about it because surprise, they bought her a new bike. <laughs> uh, she she has the great line here. Oh, car would have been nicer. Oh, I hate to admit it. I was that kid. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm, I'm I fully have... on her side. Yeah. One of my most shameful moments, whenever my mom gets mad at me retroactively for the three things I did wrong as a teenager <laughs> that she knows about, I always bring up the, the talk we had where she came home with a brand new 1994, no, 1993 Camaro. And I took one look at it and said to her face with no trace of irony, you know, you could have bought a crappier car and gotten me a used one with the difference. <laughs> I was not kidding. And she just, her jaw dropped and she didn't understand why I wasn't happy for her. It's because I was a garbage son. <laughs> I'm a, I'm one of the most garbage children well, ever. I mean, I it, got over it. At least I you didn't accuse her of murder. That, that time, that time <laughs> I didn't. So yeah, he, <laughs> Paul says to her, uh, that uh, bike has uh, t- 10 gears on it. Now maybe you can keep up with me better. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's not even coded. They're just like, oh, you. <laughs> oh my God. So, so Janie, she asks for Janie's help. Janie uh, will not help. She's not into it, uh, but she's going to con Josh into it. She's going to totally blackmail Josh <laughs> since she caught them in bed. Uh, she says, oh, there's a whole thing about her virginity. I forgot to mention She's really mad at Janie for having sex with the guy first and not telling her. And Janie's like, uh, where have you been, dude? I've been like sleeping with this guy for a while. <laughs> so what are you doing? And she's like, you're just mad because you're a virgin. And we'll get back to all that. I promise you. Christy's just been so busy writing in her diary. And I guess chasing people on her bike over the course of days. Maybe it's been <laughs> weeks and months anyway. <laughs> Trust me, folks, you don't want us to get back to the virginity thing, but we will yeah, promise it's coming. Oh, boy. So she tells Josh, I'll tell your dad. He's like, my dad won't care. He's like, she's like, I'll tell her parents. He's like, OK, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, she also at one point in this conversation says, fuck you, Josh Dealey. Yes. <laughs> Which is great coming out of her mouth. I love it. It's brilliant. Oh, my God. So um, they steal her car, her mom's car, and there's a whole thing where she doesn't have a license and she claims to know how to drive <laughs> and they are risking death to go spy on this Brenda lady. And on the way there, she starts driving faster and faster and faster. And sure enough, the freaking uh, gas pedal is stuck to the floor. And now the brakes don't work. Mm-mm. And this whole insane, like the whole driving sequence is crazy because they're about to get into an accident the whole time because she's a shitty driver. But now they're going 70 in a freaking 20 mile per hour mm-hmm. zone, flying through red lights, nearly killing a school bus of children, all this insane shit. Finally, Josh is like, pulls the keys out of the ignition and they just coast to safety <laughs> after spinning out and hitting a car. Um, the cops come. No. Ambulance shows up. No. A bunch of motorists run up to yell at her. No. Nothing happens except Josh gets pissed off and he blames her for her shitty drive and her shitty driving for the reason they crashed. None of the, the vehicle failures are real. She's, she knows it's Paul. Yeah. She knows. 
And she goes to a mechanic who confirms it by very creepily saying, Yeah, it was this piece here that was broken. Thing is, it's the first one I've ever seen that's been broken. And she's like, how would that happen? And he shifty shifty eyes doesn't want to tell her someone cut this shit. Yeah. He just goes, uh, uh. <laughs> I don't know. But it's totally crazy. It's totally crazy that 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 accident was never reported. Nobody was arrested. Nothing happened. Nobody checks on them to see if they're okay. No one runs up to yell at them. Nothing. And this mechanic was her mother's mechanic. <laughs> so that must mean, and Lieta thought this was the case was that paul had already bribed him to keep his mouth shut mm, yeah i don't but that's ah but it, oh, yeah i, I mean it's not funny. actually yeah but that's an interesting it's a theory, theory. it's a theory <laughs> i mean we, we ain't got fucking time for theories you gotta move gotta move gotta move yeah, yeah you gotta go so she takes that broken spring that was part of the carburetor she goes home to find paul and her mother making the sex act oh, she's like a magnet for it she just oh, like God. Always walking in on people having sex. Yes. No one's having sex without her being traumatized by it. She goes to her bedroom, puts her face in her hand, cries, and the broken carburetor spring falls limp and flaccid on the blue shag carpet. Uh, That's a beautiful poem. Uh, oh, thank you. That's like the sequel to the, you know, so much uh, depends on a chicken by the, in the rain by the red, red barn, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> As if we haven't seen enough tragedy yet, uh, she does convince Janie to finally help her snoop on this Brenda lady. And they, they go to the freaking shitty hotel, the sleazy motel. Mm-hmm. Where Paul, it seems like Paul is trying to break it off, but he's trying to stall for time. Her brother that we met earlier, quote unquote, is he's demanding that they get this plan going. And and Paul's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. And <laughs> Brenda, the, the, the leopard woman, she's wearing a leopard outfit. She starts taking off her clothes. She's like, we'll deal with that later. Let's get this going. So Christy runs back, grabs Janie, who's waiting patiently in the car, has her run upstairs. And just when they're about to peek in the window to catch them in the act, uh, Paul's at the ice machine getting some ice. (laughs) And he sees them and gives chase. Now, they're several feet from the car. They should get in the car lock doors, and then, no. They're going to run away from the hotel down an empty, creepy dirt road. And this is when we find out that Janie is pregnant. She wants an abortion. Uh, Good luck, depending on what state you're in. And then she starts talking about why she wants an abortion. Her whole life is ahead of her. And in whammo, in my notes... (laughs) She is immediately struck down by an unknown vehicle, a red sports car. Not only does it hit her, and and presumably, um, Christy warns her that it's coming. Christy ends up rolling into the ditch. I don't know what happened. Janie had no time to do shit. She gets <laughs> killed-elated, murdered by this car, and they decided the dummy looked good enough to hang on it, and they were right. This is one of the most disturbing um, uh, vehicular manslaughter scenes from the 80s. It is brutal. 
Yeah, I mean, it's brutal. It was so the the impact was so forceful that she did get turned into a dummy, which is my favorite thing <laughs> that happens to any character in a movie. Dummy death. Uh, they get her to the hospital, and uh, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 ma'am! This 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 woman is a is a dummy. <laughs> we can't bring this back to life. It never lived." Oh my god, this is just like Twice Dead. We got we got mannequins akimbo here. <laughs> So yeah, dude, it, it's her friend is dead, and Paul tries to comfort her, and he begs her not to tell the cop, the, the police commissioner, who wants to talk to her. She, he he begs her not to tell anything about what she saw that day. And Christy's for once she goes, "Yes, I will not tell him." She actually lies. <laughs> I think it's the last time she lies in this movie for anything. She has another good line about uh, Paul somewhere in here. I think it might be at the end of this conversation where uh, she delivers a, a, I mean, it's a mega burn. Uh, she says, not only is he an incompetent murderer, he's a total asshole. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> but here's where, here's where I would add a slight correction to that. He, he is absolutely an incredibly incompetent murderer, at least of his yes. intended targets, right? He's, yes. He did manage to kill somebody here, not who he really meant to kill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's terrible, really incompetent. She's an incredibly incompetent detective. They both yes. really suck. And like the whole movie is really just them continuing to suck and screw it up. They're foils for each other. Look at that. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. It's like spy versus spy. Oh, I like that analogy. Yeah. Thank you. So so she tells the, the police commissioner what she knows. Is the police commissioner Josh's dad? Yes. Thank you. I was totally freaking confused when I was looking at IMDb. I was like, wait. Yeah. What? Because at the very Fuck end, you, Bob Dealey. At the very end, remember, she's in the police commissioner's house and it's Josh's room. That she's Thank in. you. Oh, my God. This is Tony Sebald. Um, and yes, he is. He's Sebald. <laughs> he is Sebald. Come on. Uh, he was in. Oh, he was a jail guard in Hackers. Oh, bless I, him. I had a baby Isabald. <laughs> he was also in uh, Quartermass, the film from 1979. Very cool. Wow. Yeah, just, just a cool little character actor. He was in Sky Bandits. He was in A View to a Kill. Oh, he was Presidential Imposter in Superman 2. Wow. He was in... Amin, the rise and fall. He played the com- the Canadian ambassador. <laughs> wow, look at that! But yeah, he um, he's taken all this. He's taken all this into account. Oh, sorry, Quartermass was a mini series. They just released it as a feature length thing. Yeah, in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. <clears throat> so he, so I'll you know I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Did it do? Doesn't look into it. They totally gets lied to and accepts all of it. So that night while she's writing in her diary, uh, Paul asks my, probably my favorite line in the, in the whole thing, which I will drop in here. What do you write in that diary all the time anyway, Christy? The life and times of a teenage sex maniac. (laughs) And I wrote, (laughs) no, no. Inappropriate. But she sees the police commissioner show up to their house and he's being really friendly with Paul. And she's like, oh, that's what the cops do. And they're really close to catching a suspect. They're nice to him. It's like, 
girl, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. <laughs> so she goes to school the next day and immediately, <laughs> immediately gets shit on by one of the girls in her class. Like, well, if it isn't the Undertaker's best friend. Uh, and so. Then a boy comes up and like starts grabbing her and says, out of the way, sicko. Yes. <laughs> So she's now a pariah in her school because she happened to be there when her friend gets killed. But because she tells everyone about what's going on, they all know that her and Janie were on that road because Christy wanted to spy on Paul. It's so insane. Well, I mean, and hey, at least people have heard her story. So instead of the, all right. I'll meet you in front of the old bakery at three in the morning so I can tell you who the killer is. Like, she's already taken out an ad in the paper <laughs> and is talking to the local news. She's got a billboard up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's making photocopies of her diary to hand out to people at the bus stop. <laughs> so I give her the credit for that. But Josh step, steps up and defends her because, <laughs> oh boy, we know we know what Josh really wants. Because uh, neither it, he or her are that upset about Janie. I'm sorry. They're not upset. Well, they say they're missing her. Uh, but yeah. suddenly, we're sitting so close together. Oh. So we, we might Ooh. have to start macking. Josh is unstoppable. <laughs> he is just an, the absolute uh, uh, chick magnet. He's it, the horniest little devil. He sure is. And I think it's the power of the sweater. He has a lot yep. of sweaters in this movie. Some mock turtlenecks, too. <laughs> And uh, the ladies just can't resist him when he is sweatered up. I mean, I know I can't. The police commissioner wants to talk to her. He is pissed off. He is so pissed. He pulls her aside at school into an office and he says, none of this adds up. And every single thing that she's brought up as evidence, he has a total answer for, even though none of it makes any sense. If you just investigate at all. But surprisingly, the cop is not on Paul's side. He just he just thinks Christie's nuts or a liar. He has no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, he's like, listen, it is not your stepdad who's doing this. It's right. just obvious that, you know, your mom is going to be final destination and there's just nothing we can do about it. We <laughs> have to, to let nature from, run its course. Tell her to stay away from the grill. <laughs> so the weirdest thing in this scene is when... Our police commissioner seems very satisfied with himself for having dumped on her a whole case. He plops down in a leather chair and crotch first starts swinging his hips back and forth in this, this rotating chair. And is just like, hey, I don't believe you, kid. I don't believe you. And I'm covering the screen with my hand like, why is he sitting like that? It's so weird. <laughs> when you see this movie, look for that crotch. You can't miss it. Fuck your crotch, Bob Dealey. It's a bad. Sodium can turn up where you least expect it, even in your antacid tablet. Looking for an antacid without sodium? Tums is virtually sodium-free, and it also neutralizes one-third more stomach acid than the other leading brand. Tums lets you do without the heartburn and without all that sodium. For liquid strength in a tablet, Tom's EX. So so that night, Josh comes over, uh, but he will not help her follow Brenda, but he'll give her a smooch. <laughs> Ooh, uh, uh, my orchestra is swelling. <laughs> She's like, uh, no, dude. And then he's like, 
don't deny your feelings. So he leaves and he gets about five, ten feet away. <laughs> and then she's like, Josh, come back. <sighs> and she's like, get up here for sex. So they go upstairs. No making out. No heavy petting. They go right for the business. <laughs> they undress, smiling sillily at each other. <laughs> I mean, and, again, like the score here is is like big time romantic. Wow. Like, wow, isn't this the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Um, yes. And it's not. It's not. No, it's, it's actually really sad. It's a. It's kind of. It's kind of hideous because, I mean, I I don't want to be gross, but no foreplay. No, no, just nothing. Just they just go right to the act. Well, she keeps trying to, like, pause so that she can tell him, like, hey, you got our dead friend pregnant, you big stupid head, and he won't even let her do that. But instead, he's like, let me get you pregnant. (laughs) So so they're having really uncomfortable sex, and the camera does not stray from capturing her pain. And not only are these painful expressions, like, hard to watch, they're in the trailer, no way <laughs> they are in the trailer it is so uh, that's weird insane uh, what were they doing <laughs> i mean uh the the most upsetting line of dialogue uh, in this scene is um uh, quote sorry it just hurts so much that's what we're Oof. dealing with here mm. i don't like it <laughs> i don't care for it I mean, it's real. We'll give it. We'll give it. We'll, it's this pre- is the it's thing. pretty real. Yeah. They're trying to be real, and that's good for them. There's a, <laughs> there's another moment later that I is like the height of realness, like one nuance of Christie that I think they really did a great job with. But we'll get to that in a later. in a veritable ocean of implausibility. We yes. want a little bit of realness. Yeah, it's one moment of realness in six movies packed into one movie. <laughs> <laughs> Because we've gone into the, the the teen, uh, the the movie of the week. My best friend died, and now I want to sleep with her boyfriend. Like I don't know what. Oh boy! So Paul bursts in in a freaking tuxedo, and he's like, "Hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> hey, move over!" <clears throat> so Josh is embarrassed. He wraps himself, well, he's probably just scared, wraps himself up in the, her comforter and, and awkwardly leaves. And you think, because one thing about this movie is you keep forgetting the relationship. Every scene with Paul and Christy, it tries to, it tries to gaslight you with a crowbar. Like, like the, he's just like, hey, I'm the cool stepdad. You better not let your mother find out what's going on up here. Waka, waka, waka. He has a great line. He says, uh. You know, I'm very forgiving of other people's sexual foibles. <laughs> How many times has he had to say that? <clears throat> I don't know why I think of Tony in Iron Man. This isn't the worst thing you've caught me doing. <laughs> or is it the weirdest thing? You know what? Time to watch Iron Man I again. think it's weirdest, yeah. We're, folks, we're going to go watch Iron Man. Thank you. So, uh, She's bleeding and she goes to run to the bathroom. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. And why doesn't he want her to go in the bathroom? Because it's rigged to explode. (laughs) The pilot light is blown out. The gas is leaking. The door has been closed. And there's a towel stuffed in the gas so that it can't, like, it just is going to flood the room. 
and the light switch, when it is flicked on, sparks. Uh-huh. He was going to blow her ass up. <laughs> yeah, which she, she helpfully makes clear to us by saying, Of course, you have to kill me, too. Because you won't get my mother's money if you kill her. I mean, I, I do think we have to pause for a moment and uh, say that the most shocking thing here <clears throat> is not uh, her revelation that she is also a targeted murder victim, but that uh, this poor girl has gone, what, 17 years of her life uh, without having any knowledge uh, that uh, she has a hymen. Oh, brother. Mom. <laughs> Mom, what are you doing? You got to talk to your kids. Come on. Uh, we really fail our children, <sighs> do we yes. not? Yes, yes. Hopefully we'll continue to. So (laughs) the funniest thing when Paul is de-bombing the bathroom, he opens the window, takes out the freaking towel out of the uh, the, the gas thing, and then immediately lights a freaking lighter (laughs) to relight the pilot. And it's too soon. The movie has to move so fast (laughs) that it would have blown up instantly. Jesus. So cute. And don't worry. The, the fuse box and this bathroom being rigged, not going to come up again later. No, never. We're done. Now mom trips down the fucking stairs. <laughs> you know, you can't stop this guy. Uh, he, no. he comes like just shy of stringing up a trip wire. Um, that, <laughs> yes. But it's real close. What is What does he put on the stairs? So the bomb? stairs have this like decorative element. I think it's brass. Yeah. And it's just loose and swinging out, and she just walks right into it and falls, like, down almost the entire flight of stairs. Honestly, I gotta say, this one's kind of on her. (laughs) She wants to die. Yeah. So, she's in the hospital. She's got a broken leg. And uh, Mom's like, no, I'm cool. Paul ain't no murderer. This is fine. This is is cool. (laughs) It's great. So, she's supposed to be helping take care of Mom. She's supposed to be helping not only, I mean, take care of her mom, but protect her mom from Paul. Nah, she's snooping. <laughs> she's snooping again. This time, she's back at Brenda's house, and she gets a photograph of Paul and Brenda in Turgid Town. Ooh. That's right. She has a Polaroid camera. She awkwardly opens the window, <laughs> shoves the entire camera inside the room, then takes the picture with the flash on. Of course, it's a Polaroid. It's fine. But then as she's pulling the camera out of the window, the uh, Polaroid falls into the room with them. <laughs> Oops. Doi. Speaking of worst detective in the world. Exactly. So she runs. And when they see sh- when she sees them chasing her, she's like, here's my big break to get that photo back. She fucking goes back into the house. <laughs> Doesn't see the picture, but instead goes and hides in the bathroom because Lacey, the husband, brother, oops, I spoiled it. He is <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. He's trying to find her, but he finds the photo, which is a very compromising photo for Paul <laughs> and Brenda. And this is when we find out that, yes, he is, in fact, her husband, which we it's it's so I mean, confusingly dumb that I, I didn't get it. I mean, could be brother husband. Hey, we've seen it before. Exactly. Uh, and uh, we've never seen it better than here. Um, but he has an issue with her, this picture of her, because she's clearly enjoying herself <laughs> in the picture. And that ain't kosher with Lacey. Yeah, because they've like cooked up a scheme like they're going to screw Paul over yep. is their goal. And part of that is convincing 
Paul that, uh, no, I'm just her brother. So while Lacey is in the bathroom hiding, she gets to hear the whole scheme from them. And in, in not in detail, but, you know, laid out for her because she's begging for him to stop beating her. It's pretty freaking mean-spirited yep. and scary, you know, because, you know, Michael Winner. But uh, she manages to sneak out after someone rings the doorbell asking for Mrs. Smith. Miss, Mrs. Mr. Smith? <laughs> so, so <laughs> Mr. Smith, your, your sweater has arrived. <laughs> Paging Mr. Herman. Paging Mr. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought of that. <laughs> she takes this opportunity to run out. And she is immediately caught by Lacey. He fucking gives her the picture. He wants her to get the picture to break this bullshit up. Because he's very upset about this. Uh, this, I'm just doing it because I want the money bullshit she's been handing him. And she starts walking down a lonely freaking <laughs> street. and she, But she rendezvous with Josh. She, like, that was me. That was me. I did that. And uh, they have a frank sex talk that <laughs> blows my mind. This is like my favorite thing about Christy. She has been traumatized by sex, whether it be witnessing her mother and Paul going at it or her, her Paul and Brenda. And then she had this traumatic experience with Josh, which Paul also ruined, which is already ruined, but he made it worser. And so she's like, Nope, never going to have sex with you again. I'm never going to have sex again. <laughs> She's done. Pull the ripcord. She's out of here. So back at home, Paul tries to get the picture. He just flat out is enraged and it's just, give me the picture. Give me the picture. Mom walks in <laughs> and uh, he's like, your little liar of a daughter said some shit. And so Christy just marches over to mom, hands her the freaking picture. And mom's like. Oh my god, <laughs> I didn't see this coming. Why didn't anyone warn me? <laughs> Paul throws away the facade and totally is now evil, evil, evil Paul and just says the most horrid things to this poor woman that he's been freaking uh, leeching off of. He tells her that he was obsessed with her as a kid because I'm guessing he worked at the... Uh, car dealership or he worked in a garage and he would always watch her with her husband and thinks what a fancy lady he was and then every time they made love after he finally won her it made him want to puke which he'll repeat later yeah. for no reason and he just slaps the shit out of her it's terrible and that's when i wrote in my notes is it too late to get christy's dad back because mm -hmm. he was probably a nicer dude <laughs> oh boy not not a not a tall bar no, no, mm -hmm. no. Maybe he was boring. Maybe he wasn't an exciting guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> he was no Michael winner. No. <laughs> He's a Michael loser. <laughs> <laughs> so we transition to our third <clears throat> film here, our home yes. invasion thriller. Yes, yes. So in her diary, she says, Whew, glad that's over. Boy, oh boy, <laughs> was she fucking wrong. So we have... 30 minutes left 35 yeah. minutes left of the movie yeah. and we have the moment where michael winter is going to shine 
Because if there's one thing this motherfucker can do, <laughs> it's going to be some home invasion. So immediately when they see Paul, Brenda, and Lacey coming up the walk in a rather intimidating shot, I'm like, oh, Jesus, here we go. <laughs> they remember, not in time, that Paul has keys. They didn't take his keys away. Oh, drag. Bummer. <clears throat> not that he would not have made yeah, you know, multiple mean, copies. Yeah. I mean, they would have just broken in anyway. So they're already inside. She's running around with mom in the wheelchair because her mom's leg is still broken, of course. And they try to call the cops, but uh, she immediately gets punched and gut punched by freaking Paul. And Lacey has a plan. He has the best plan in the world. They're going to hold Lacey and her mother hostage until two in the morning and then kill them at two in the morning and then beat up Paul as they were as if they were burglars. They're gonna burgle. Mm-hmm. And this is it. This plan almost sounds smart until the cracks start to show later, <laughs> and it gets real stupid. Where they're both over and underthinking mm-hmm. the whole um, forensic aspect of waiting to kill someone. Mm-hmm. It's outrageous how bad their plan is. Stupid. oh my god so the first thing paul does is adds insult to injury and just shoves mom in the wheelchair across the room (laughs) just amping up the brutality that like we needed that and i wrote my notes you know i'm starting not to like paul really (laughs) yeah he had me for a while but (laughs) starting to think maybe not a great guy i i thought christy was lying i hate that picture of him boning that lady could have been photoshopped and listen, he was so forgiving of other people's sexual foibles. Like, I just wanted to be on his side. Oh, my God. I'm going to fucking die. <laughs> Woo. And the weird thing about this, too, is didn't they have an in-house nurse, like, literally five minutes before Paul and them showed up? Because I remember her telling a lady, so this lady that that was helping mom out, she knows Paul's evil. Mm. There's a, there's multiple people that are going to be like, isn't that weird? All the accidents and then the murders and then the robberies, whatevs. Well, you know, it's pretty clear that the uh, uh, Josh's dad doesn't look into anything too closely. So you could probably, you could probably get away with it. <laughs> Fuck you, Bob Dealey. Come on. Uh, so they, they take him down to the basement where they plan to kill them later, <clears throat> where they plan to kill him later. This is when the movie gets super cat and mousey for a while. So pardon me if I leave out some details here. Uh, I'm going to try not to go too crazy. It gets very cat and mousey, but also very chatty. Um, Yes. Two of my favorite moments here are when uh, Christy and Paul are yelling at each other through the basement door. Um, And she's like razzing him about the fact that uh, that Brenda never really loved him. Yes. And it's like, well, at least Josh loves me. Um, oh, my and Lord. And, you know, she's just egging him on so that there can yep. be some conflict, which is good. Um, and it, it does kind of work because Brenda gets really mad at one point about some pancakes. Oh, dude. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yes, I definitely don't want to skip this yeah. part. So now Paul is suspicious of Brenda and Lacey. And they're sitting at the table eating. And instead of saying, could you pass me the ketchup, sis? Or Brenda or whatever. He goes, pass me the ketchup, honey. And when she hands him the ketchup, he full on envelops her hand 
strokes it very slowly in front of Paul and then takes the ketchup. So now <laughs> Paul's got a plan. Paul's got a big old plan. He goes downstairs, goes, all right, here's what we're going to do. You want to live through this? You're going to help me expose those liars. <laughs> so he cooks up the pancake breakfast routine. <laughs> and yes, he comes up with Christy, who's supposed to be a hostage down in the basement, telling her to make pancakes. And Brenda's like, I can make you pancakes. He's like, your pancakes fucking suck. You ever taste she, my pancakes? You ever taste my pancakes? I don't care. Her pancakes is best. So <laughs> while this pancake bullshit's going on, Christy's just like, so how long have you and Lacey been husband and wife? Wow, wow, wow. And uh, she makes them crack instantly. They give up on their little ruse instantly. And that's when Paul, who they foolishly let have a gun, is like, all right, we're going to fucking do this. I'm going to kill you both. But Paul, just like Christy, is a failure. Yeah. <laughs> and Lacey, even with a gun on him, beats the crap out of our pal. <laughs> and this gives um, Christy a chance to not do enough. Not do enough. And of course, Lacey overpowers Paul. Christy's back in the basement. And my favorite line here is mom is trying to convince her daughter that she can fit through those little bars in the basement window. And Lietta and I are like, no, mom, you can fit through those bars because you're a tiny, tiny mm. little skinny lady. And your daughter is like, you know, larger than you short. I mean, she's shorter than you, but she's certainly not going to be like rail thin. It was, I was just, the logic was wonderful. Yeah. Well, I love uh, I love Christy's logic here, where she uh, sort of resigns herself to the fact that you know what, I'm just gonna have to kill them. There's no other I way. I love that. I <laughs> love that. So she concocts a, a scheme with mom where she's gonna ask to go to the bathroom because it quote won't make sense to the cops if I, we've been peeing if I've peed in the basement. It's true. They'll find my urine. They will find it. It smells. Oh my god, it's so so. so Brenda, <laughs> Brenda has the task of taking her to the bathroom, and of course, uh, Christy is has her mom who's going to shut the lights off in the house from the breaker. So she goes in to pee. Lights go off, and then all of the craziness ensues. She fights off Brenda in the dark. Gets a knife, slashes Lacey, stabs Paul in the leg, which is a moment I actually cheered for. Uh, Liette and I both thought that she stabbed him in the groin. Sadly, no. And then back in Lacey's room, we see her looking good poster. Did you catch the looking good poster? No, I caught um, the sign on her bedroom yes. door, which says, warning, these premises are guarded by killer garbage. What <laughs> is that referring Absolutely to. no idea. I it's guess she's just brilliant. messy. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, her mom asked her to clean that room one too many times. No, this is a poster of a, I'm guessing, nameless male model. It could be somebody who was famous at the time. I have no idea. But it literally says under this smiling face of this like beautiful model, looking good. It's <laughs> so cute. True. So she goes back to her bathroom and she decides decides to reuse the gas plan. So she sets up, she blows out the pilot light and has the gas going in the room and shuts the door to she's going to really she's going to Paul Fox this one. 
Yeah, I mean, I love that. I mean, because that's, you know, we get another one of the, the failed murder attempts taking Brenda out in the basement. Yeah. Uh, where she gets uh, gets to fry up some pancakes, finally. Mm. Um, yes. Pa- she is the pancake. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love that it's sort of like a, it's like a reverse Kevin McAllister where it's like, well, what if the <laughs> wet bandits had set up traps that then killed themselves? <laughs> They drowned in their own wetness. Yeah. That's brilliant. Oh, oh, God. Poetry. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, she she freaking just does what Paul did. She sets up the freaking fuse box to electrocute and the gas thing. And it fucking works. Um, freaking. So Josh shows up and he's trying to get in the house, but they won't. she won't let him. And she's like telling him off in the meanest way. But she just needed to do a winky face. Like, hey, I'm just kidding. Wink, wink. Get it. And it's really funny because either Josh gets it that they're under duress, that they've been kidnapped or not. Either way, after a long stretch of a very fast moving movie, he finally runs to get his dad. Finally. And that's when more cat and mouse ensues and Paul gets blowed up by the bathroom. Charbroiled. Right after uh, Brenda gets electrocuted. Lacey... You know, cradling his dead wife is probably like, this plan sucks, dude. This plan is dumb as balls, brother. And, uh, I mean, I love Paul getting blown up. It's a damn good explosion. It's it's something else. Because Josh and Dad are outside when that room blows and the fireball that shoots yep. out of there is very impressive and then he like falls back against the wall and he's got like a he's he looks like a meatball face yes yes right out of nightmare city yeah. perfect uh josh jumps through the plate glass window to rescue he just he he, he just runs into danger and his dad's behind him like whoa <laughs> like okay dad whoa. the cops More are Kool-Aid on their way man yes the cops <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the cops are freaking there. Josh manages to run up into the burning room and saves our pal, Christy. Apparently, Lacey gets away because now we're in Josh's freaking bedroom in in the home of the police commish about to, uh, you know, freaking probably have sex with the son again. And she expresses her worry about Lacey. He's like... He's like, no way, that guy's like way away from here. He's like, he's like states away by now. <clears throat> and of course, in Josh's room is a bunch of music posters. I couldn't catch them all uh, like Pokemon, but I did see his badass Sabian drummer poster and his less than badass Native American figurine. Hmm. It's on his nightstand and it's one of those awful, weird why would you make this caricatures mm-hmm. of Native American? And I'm like, Josh, why? Why are you killing me with this shit? She's worried, about- She's worried about Lacey. And right as they're starting to make out, blood starts to magically appear on the pillow. And dun, dun, dun. Lacey's standing over them and clonks Josh on the head with a freaking candlestick like <laughs> like clue or a or maybe it was a uh, a lamp base it was something I big. thought it was like a sure. like a trophy or something oh maybe maybe it's his his uh drummer yeah drummer trophy yeah good boy i wish so, it was just a symbol just like oh, 
Oh my god, it would have been great. No, it would have been two symbols like he's oh. in the school band just crash his head. Oh, oh, I, I wish. <clears throat> but uh Lacey, god damn it. I mean, these names. Christy is one step ahead of this guy. She has been hiding a butcher knife under the pillow and stabs him in the stomach. And as he's like kind of contemplating what just happened to him, she takes the knife and plunges it the rest up to almost up to the hilt to kill this motherfucker. It is so satisfying that I actually wrote in my notes fatality <laughs> you just know that christy's gonna be sleeping with that butcher knife under her pillow for the rest of her rest life, of her life. <laughs> you do not want to startle her away well at least have it and get a big knife and a you know like a scabbard or something so that nah, you, she wants to live dangerously that's true she has been living dangerous she's been rod dogging it with the most freaking <laughs> sperm filled uh, doofus in the world she's been walking down all those deserted roads <laughs> i dare you to run me over paul so she calls up the police commissioner. Josh is unconscious, hopefully alive, on the floor. Lacey's dead as a doornail that knife stuck in him. She calls the commissioner's like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, well, you better get over here. Maybe now you'll believe me. Freeze frame credits. Whoa, man. Folks, I hope that sounded like a lot because holy shit, that was a lot of movie. That was a whole lot of movie. It was a marathon. Damn. I gotta catch my breath. So yes, Tom Holland, the writer of this movie, (laughs) uh, if that name is a little familiar to you, it's because he wrote freaking Fright Night, man. And directed it, too. Wow, and directed it. In fact, he uh, he. So there's a there's an interview with him on the Scream Factory please, Blu-ray yes. release where he says his experience having this film, which he wrote, turned into a, uh, a film by another director, actually inspired him to direct Fright Night because he was like, I don't want to see somebody else screw up my script again. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, I wonder about this script because I mean. Yeah. So he says that, um, uh, so it's like a 13 minute long interview and he spends the whole time just basically like politely shit talking Michael Winner. Um, (laughs) he, he says that, uh, uh, you know, Michael Winner is a very nice guy, very good at directing action movies, absolutely terrible at directing this movie. And he says that, um, well, actually, interestingly, originally this movie was offered to Richard Franklin. Who, no way. Yeah, who Tom Holland had worked with on Psycho 2. Wow. Um, but Franklin went off to direct uh, the movie Link, which I'm a big fan of. That's oh, yeah. The, God, uh, I haven't seen that forever. Uh, Li- Elizabeth Shue and a chimpanzee movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, so he, he went off and did that. So they got Michael Winner for this instead. And it was nice. near the end of Michael Winner's career. He didn't have much after this um, besides like Death Wish 3 and then a couple other things. Uh, Michael Winner then went on to be a food critic afterwards. He like retired from filmmaking and just became wow. a pretty well-regarded food critic. Wow, uh, good yeah, for him. Pretty cool. That's cool. Um, but uh, apparently, yeah, I mean, Tom Holland just keeps on talking up how great his script was. Um, and he says that Michael Winner says he didn't change anything from the script, but Tom Holland says that, well, that's true because what he did was just cut out a lot of the script. Yeah. So that's why it feels like a three hour movie cut down yeah. to an hour. <laughs> yeah. Five. Yeah, yeah. 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 I believe that. Um, but, you know, was it substantially uh, different or better? I don't know. I mean, oh. I, I love what's here, so <laughs> I'm happy with what we got. Um, Tom Holland, of course, also went on to 
uh, one of the one of my least favorite movies from the eighties, uh, Fatal Beauty, where yeah. Whoopi Goldberg plays a tough um, detective. A, it's like a drug drugs, movie, yeah, yeah, cocaine, and she is fine. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, good old Jumpin' Jack Flash. That was like one of those movies I watched nine hundred times as a kid. Uh, but yeah, he did Child's Play. It was his big one. He did a movie that I wouldn't mind rewatching called The Temp. Yeah, I watched it the, like a month or two ago. Yeah, how does that hold up? Is that um, good? Like yeah, the cast. Yeah, it was okay. That was a movie that apparently had a pretty um, uh, uh, not too uh, pleasant uh, production situation oh either. I guess the original script for that was like a dark comedy. And they ah, just kind of play it straight. Totally serious. Yeah, because it's like it's like a it's like a it's about like a cookie company and like all this murder that happens at this cookie company. Like it it's clearly set up to be funny, um, right. but yeah, it really right. does not work out that way. He also wrote, another one I watched recently that he wrote um, right before this that he also worked on with Richard Franklin was Cloak and Dagger. <gasps> yes yeah. i love that as a kid oh my god that's yeah, such which a was actually the, the same year as scream for help yeah that's crazy um, yeah that's a that's a very that's a very intense movie wow. um yeah see i actually like i i actually quite like tom helen better as just a screenwriter because he did cloak yeah. and dagger psycho 2 scream for help of course class of 1984 huge the wow. beast within the initiation that's of wild. sarah these are awesome that's movies wild. yeah what a career Speaking of careers, uh, Richard, uh, excuse me, Robert Painter, who's the cinematographer on this bad boy. Here's a few things. Curtains, which uh, Brad and I have talked about very recently. Superman 2, Superman 3, uh, The Muppets Take Manhattan, mm. Little Shop of Horrors, Michael Jackson's Greatest Hits. Yay! Nice work if you can get it. I have one thing I want to say that's, a, to me, a trivia thingamajig, and then we can talk about how we like this. Unless you have some more trivia you want to throw out in the world here. No, that's all the trivia I got. According to IMDb, the Italian title for Scream for Help is La Casa in Hell Street. What? They were trying to sneaky, sneaky, make this a La Casa movie. No. <laughs> no. Oh my god, I want to do a La Casa marathon so bad, dude. <laughs> if you so want whiplash, bad. yeah. Yeah, I I need it. I need all the lash and I can whip up. So uh so Jeffrey, uh, how do you like this movie? Uh well, my name is not Tom Holland, uh and I love this movie. Thank you, nice. Michael Winner. It's a perfect movie. Nice. Um, perfect movies. It's got everything. Yep. It is. It it feels like a TV movie. Of course, helped by the fact that it's got a lot of. Uh, uh, I don't even want to call them TV stars. People who have appeared on TV and not much else. <laughs> uh, it feels like a TV movie that has just like had the reins taken off of it. Totally. Um, it is. Uh, you know, I think the thing uh, I was telling you, the thing that initially attracted me to this movie long before it had a uh, Blu-ray release and was a little bit better known. Um, when it was just VHS only, is somebody described it as like um, a, a Nancy Drew story on crack. Um, yeah, and yeah. that is absolutely what this is. It is uh, absolutely unhinged. It is breakneck pace. It uh, it never really lets up. And um, yet it's still got this uh, perfectly quaint and uh, wholesome heart at the center. Nice. Um, nice. Perfect. Love it. How do you feel about this one? Um, I hate to admit it. I 
don't really like this movie. <sighs> um, I love how crazy it is. Mm-hmm. Um, two viewings was one too many for me. <laughs> I I never want to sit through this again. And it's not. It's just. I don't like to be that guy who wants to change movies. I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not a screenwriter. I'm not like one of those guys who's like, <laughs> let me tell you my version. Because I ain't that guy. I would have made things, re- rearrange something, or keep the original script and make the movie another 15 minutes where you can have stuff happen to build suspense better. And, I mean, I love the the, the battle between Christy and Paul. I love it because they're both so bad at it. But I would love it if the movie held its something to its chest instead of nothing. Um, the whole conceit of her diary is so crazy. <laughs> doesn't doesn't even add up at all. Um, but even with that, you cannot fault this for having amazing pacing. Like, like we said, breakneck whiplash freaking shit. I like... Michael Winner not doing a teen girl movie slash coming of age drama. Like, I like watching him fail at that. (laughs) When he hits his stride with the home invasion, I am not interested, although I do like all the callbacks. He definitely was really in his element there with, with, with Holland's script. Because nothing, everything pays off. I like that. The thing you pointed out with the uh, Nancy Drew on acid thing, it's also like really, really foul. Like the C word uh, is thrown around here. Uh, uh, Christy, of course, has a foul mouth. It's amazing. Um, And if you can accept her like as a character, which is very difficult, (laughs) the stuff about her that works is like that brutal honesty. Like her attitude on sex is the most... I've never seen that in a film, maybe in a, like in a an indie film. I've seen something like that where the character has a bad experience and rejects sex or rejects men. Not in a Hollywood film <laughs> where she's like, get that dick away from me. I am done. Sex is disgusting. You're all filthy animals. Get away from me. That's refreshing and very different and freaking incredible. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I just, I have my, you know, and it could be taken five pages of notes also <laughs> that burn me out. Yeah, I, I, I like most of this movie, but overall, I, overall, I don't like this movie. Uh, I do recommend is, it. I do recommend it. This Absolutely. movie is, is my after school special and I want to watch it every <laughs> day after nice. school. This, this is like, uh, for me, it would be, um, uh, mother, may I sleep with danger. Yeah, I mean that's great, but the here original, the original they remade yeah, that. Yeah, I know with like like James Franco presents. God help us all. <laughs> God help us. Um, no, uh, yeah, I mean this is this is like it's like a you know it's like a lifetime movie and an after school special had some sort of unholy spawn that Michael yeah. Winner directed. Right, right. Yeah, it's wild. It's it's completely fucking crazy. So, can't yeah. think of anything more appealing to me, really. <laughs> I mean, I I feel bad because like I used to love Death Wish, one of the original movie thon movies, folks. If you don't know this, I am obsessed with having movie thons. Watching too many movies in a row to where you can't remember the details 
your brain starts you feel like you're dreaming while you're awake you're just a mess and you're eating junk food and it's three in the morning and you're like what the fuck am i doing watching you know phantasm freaking five you know like you're <laughs> losing your shit my buddy scott and i we used to watch the death wish movies and I cannot get through those rape scenes, dude. Mm-hmm. And all of them have them. Like, <laughs> it's like, no. Like, man, oh, man. And, and I think the the second one is worse. Because Death Wish oh, 2 yeah. is like. Two, 2 is the grossest. That movie is wild. Yeah. That movie is like like the, the it's like the, the evil, the more evil doppelganger of the first one. <laughs> now available on 4K UHD. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Have you ever seen um, Michael Winner's version of The Big Sleep with uh, Robert That's Mitchum? That's the Mitchum one? Yeah, no, I have yeah. not. I like that one. I think that I think that was a good... Is that it was a, a, sleazy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it cool. definitely... I don't know if it outsleazes the original book. I've I've always had the book on my shelf. I've never read it because I know that uh, fairly sleazy, but not like okay. Michael Winner sleazy. <laughs> it might not be. It's not one of his sleaziest, if I recall correctly. Right, but it's it's a good adaptation. I recommend it. Yeah, I want to check it out. Yay! Well, folks, thank you for hanging out. Thank you for winning with us, Michael Lee, and uh, we're Jeffrey. all we're all the losers tonight. <laughs> yeah, we're the winners club. <laughs> Jeffrey, thank you for picking this one and thank you for hanging out, dude. Of course. We we done did it. We done sat in chairs, presumably, and talked about a movie as well. We talked about our foibles and at the end of the day we accepted each other for who we are <laughs> and what we right. like. I am sorry about leaving that Polaroid for your, your husband brother to find. <laughs> It's all right. It's all right. Uh, Put it in a frame on the wall. (laughs) Bye, folks. Hello, this is The Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Please check out the other podcasts on legionpodcasts.com. If you'd like more Hello, This is the Doom Show, go to hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or go to doomedmoviethon.com for the archives. If that's still not enough, go to at doomedmoviethon on Twitter. You can write in to Hello, This is the Doom Show, use the email doomedmoviethon at gmail.com. Doom Show episodes are available on record and 8-track cassette.